The following podcast is a production of Hardly Awesome Studios in association with the network. Find us at BICBP-radio.com. Welcome back to Cardboard Cave. This is Trevor. I'm back with a new episode because I have something to talk about. So, uh, hey, you thought I was gone forever, maybe? Not this time. Maybe next time. Uh, really enjoyed having Gobby on, I think, for the last two episodes. And if he still wants to, he's going to be back. But I just had something to talk about. So I'm just going to dive right into it and not mess around. Um Basically, I think I've mentioned before, I don't play um, a lot of solo games, but I've kind of, and this is, this episode's not about solo games. I do want to do a whole episode on that after I play some more, but I've got a, a sort of a, a shot in my arm here lately, like a new spring in my step with board games, because I finally admitted, you know what? maybe solo games aren't so bad. Maybe I should just try some. I'm not getting to play games like I want to right now. Life is what it is. Um, like most of the rest of the world <laughs> these last couple of years. And I kind of hate that I waited so long to give some like meteor serious solo games a try because I've uh, really been enjoying some. Um, and I probably should do a whole episode about Newton it's just, I don't know if anybody really cares about Newton now, but that's, honestly, Newton gets a lot of credit. If you've not tried it as a solo game and you like, quote-unquote, dry Euros, there's no theme. It's dry as a desert, but it's such a fun Euro puzzle to solve. Um, and, and I don't normally even think that puzzle-type games are my favorite, but I just really enjoyed playing that solo. And I think it honestly works as well solo as it does with multiplayers. Um, I didn't know what I thought about it the first try. Um, but Newton really hooked me. And again, this episode is not about Newton. The point being Newton sent me on a, like, I don't know, like I said, I put a new spring in my step and I've started looking into solo games. Um, I've gone all in on clinic deluxe edition, which is an Alvin the yard game. And I might've got in over my head, uh, but I went all in, I got all the expansions Hopefully, it's all going to be coming to me here in the next week or two. And Lord willing, uh, I'll be doing an episode on that because um, I sure spent enough on it. And I'm going to spend a lot of time learning it, too, I'm sure. But it kind of sent me specifically looking for games that have good solo. In my own collection, I found a few like, hey, I didn't realize this game had solo. Um, and Newton, you know, was the first one that I'm like, you know what, I'm going to try the solo. But it's led me to other ones. But it also led me to uh, Bonfire, a game by Stefan Feld, because it's considered to play pretty much single player the same as multiplayer. It's considered to be a strong solo mode. Um, and so that is going to be the focus of this episode. I know it was a long way to get there. 
And I do want to talk about some of these other games and how they work solo. But the point is, it got me thinking about Stefan Feld because I played Bonfire four times now, and all four times were solo. And so this episode is going to be a quick one. It's just going to be me. And I know Bonfire is, was it 20, it's a 2020 game, I think. It's probably not on anybody's hotness list at this point. So I don't want to just do a review of Bonfire. I wanted to make it a little more, I don't know, juicy. And talk about kind of my reaction to Stefan Feld games, my realization that I'm having a hard time deciding is, is this <laughs> are Stefan Feld games for me? Um, and so a quick uh, history lesson of my experience with Stefan Feld is not probably the norm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm not going to ex- explain who Stefan Feld is. If you're listening to this, you probably know, but, you also probably know he mostly designs medium to medium heavyweight Euro games, you know, lots of strategy, usually lots of moving points. The joke that Tom Vassell likes to say, I don't know if he started it or I don't, I think somebody else started it, but point salad, you know, Stefan failed games are known to be point salad. You can get points for scratching your ear. You can get points for blowing your nose. You just get points for everything. Um, but my experience with Stefan Feld is a little different uh, it's in that it's, it's limited, but it's very specific. And there's four games, very specifically. I've only played four Stefan Feld games, unless there's one I'm totally forgetting. I started with Castles of Burgundy and Big Shocker. I loved it. I mean, unfortunately, it's been a couple of years since I played it, which is a shame. It looks so dang ugly. That doesn't help. I mean... But the point is, it's not an attractive game, and yet the gameplay is just that strong that it really doesn't matter. Um, although I do honestly think if it was a really nice production, it might be easier to get it off the shelf. Like, I mean, I'm not, I don't even consider it shallow. I think the tactile art, the or so the tactile components, the art is an important part of a board game. If I didn't care about that stuff, I'll just play everything on an iPad, but I do care about that stuff. So I don't want that digital crap. You know, I want to touch the pieces. And the pieces to Castles of Burgundy are thin and the colors are just so muted, yet the game is so stinking good that it, it didn't even matter. But pretty much everybody loved Castles of Burgundy. You either love it now or you did when you first played it the first 10 times. You know, it's just a great game. But my next Steffenfeld game was nothing like Castles of Burgundy, and it's one of his probably, I would say, in his bottom 10 popular games. It is not one of his more popular games, and that is Luna. Luna is uh, a a medium-weight Euro game that has an odd theme about this moon priestess and your, your monks or apprentices, I think they call them apprentices, going around to different islands making offerings it's it's got a lot of different actions you can do it comes with the player aid that just looks like total nonsense when you first see it but i really really like luna i mean i think maybe my first play i was a little bit undecided but by my second play i loved it and again of course i've not played it as much as i want to but I played it at two player and four player and probably a three player. 
it does have a solo mode. I, I don't think it's quite as applauded as like the one in Bonfire I'm going to be talking about, but it does have a solo mode. I've not tried it, but I love Luna. Um, I think it's a great game, and it's kind of an odd game to be only the second Stephen Feld game that I bought and that I played after Castles of Burgundy, um, but I just love it, and I think it's beautiful too. Unlike Castles of Burgundy, I think Luna is just a beautiful game. And you know what? The fact that the theme is odd or pretty abstract really doesn't even bother me. It works for me for some reason. <sighs> but then, a couple years later, the third game I played from Stefan Feld, and this was only... I don't know. It was before I started the podcast, because I, I don't think I've think i talked about it on the podcast. I hope I haven't. Aquasphere. Aquasphere, and honestly, even though I know Stephen Feld isn't known for his theme, I loved the theme of Aquasphere. I love the look of it. I love the little octopods and the 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 idea of an underwater lab and and you know fighting off these. I think they're called octopods, the little cool pink octopus meeples. Um, I just loved. I, I didn't care that it wasn't super thematic. I loved the theme of it and the look of it. Um. But me, my wife, and and Kelby played that um, twice. I think it was like back-to-back. It was one night, and the next night we tried it again. And we had a miserable time. I mean, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It was a miserable time. And I remember, and honestly, I might have talked about this on the show. Now that I think about it, I think I might have. So long story short, it was like a mismatch of mechanisms. And every single one of them was well-designed. I think I do remember saying this now, that I couldn't find a single true flaw in the game. It's an impeccably designed game in many ways, but nothing meshed together for me. It felt like a mash of things and it didn't work at all. But I thought it was just an odd Steppenfeld game. I didn't think I didn't think to myself, well, I'm not going to play his games anymore. No, I just thought, wow, I can't believe how much this one misfired for me. I was so disappointed. It's one of the few games that actually sold after just playing it twice. Like, and honestly, if it were easier to learn, if it were easy to get to the table, I would have kept it and played it at least a couple more times. But it was a bear to learn. It's not even close to being the most complicated game I own, but nothing about it meshed. Nothing about it was streamlined. Nothing about it, I don't know how to put it, nothing was integrated together. It was like a bunch of different things all crammed together into one game. And so it was so much harder to learn that game from the rule book. And so much harder to teach that game than it should have been for what is basically a, a medium to maybe medium heavy Euro game that's not even as heavy as other games that I've played and taught with no problem. I didn't enjoy teaching it. None of us enjoyed playing it. I believe my wife won both games. She, the strategy clicked with her, but even she didn't care that I kept it. She just she didn't enjoy it either. I mean, ugh. but anyways. For whatever reason, not intentionally, I've gone a long time without playing another Stefan Feld game. I have in the Year of the Dragon on my shelf, and shamefully it's sitting unplayed. Um, that's very shameful. And I just don't have any other ones. I just haven't played them. You know, the really popular ones I haven't played, I played Luna and Aquasphere, and then, you know, Castles of Burgundy. But Luna and Aquasphere are probably two of his more esoteric games, you know. And that's what I thought. You know, Aquasphere is just an oddity. But Bonfire. Uh, I believe it's 2020. Let me look that up for sure. In fact, I'll pull up Board Game Geek right quick. Bonfire, I got um, 
actually off of someone on Board Game Geek, and it was a wonderful – yeah, 2020, Zier, it came out. Just uh, – uh, the cover's a little odd, but I think the game itself is just great looking. I love the way it looks. It's one to four players. It's listed at 70 to 100 minutes, a 3.63 on the weight scale. So it's heavier than Luna. It's heavier than Aquasphere a little bit, according to, you know, Board Game Geek users, what it's worth. You know, it's, it's um, see, that would be considered squarely in the medium heavy category. You know, this is not a light game. Um, and yeah, let me just real quick to get into it. I'm not going to do a full review of the game because I also want to talk a little bit about kind of my realization with Stefan Feld games in general, wondering, is it me? Is it him? What's going on here? Because <laughs> um, I'm struggling a little bit, wondering if his games are for me anymore, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So Bonfire, I love the way it looks. I love the way the board looks. I love the little meeples that are totally Grogu. I don't care what anyone says. Um, and I'm not just saying that because I love the Mandalorian. It's just, especially the green, which is, I always play green. Uh, I literally have a t-shirt that says I'm always green. <laughs> um, and the green little uh, gnomes, I'm not even going to go into the thing because it doesn't matter. But the little gnomes, uh, the green ones look just like baby Grogu or Yoda, if you prefer. You know, they look like little Yodas. Um, but anyways, I love the pieces, the little wooden resources. That's that's up my alley, you know. Generally speaking, I prefer that over detailed miniatures and stuff. You know, I, I like the wooden resources that are shaped like the fruit and the different things they are. I love that stuff. The art on the cards is wonderful. Again, I just love the way the board looks. The individual player boards, I love everything about the components, except for the fact there's so many little chits, these little square chits. There's so many of them. I wish those could have been wooden, but, you know. So, yeah, I love the look of the game. The theme is you're trying to light these bonfires. You are gnomes, and the guardians are going around, and you're lighting them to bring the lot back to your world, basically. You're bringing the guardians back. Uh, the theme, I don't care what anybody says, there is, it's not that there's no theme in the game. I think what theme there is there almost gets in the way because it just, you're just not doing much that makes sense with the theme. I mean, there's little things. The guardians move on a path once you have them over. Um, you flip the task tiles, they're called. They're basically things you have to achieve. You flip the task tiles over when you achieve them, and then there's a bonfire on the other side. Um, but for the most part, the theme honestly doesn't matter. But the point I want to get to, I'm not going to go into details about how the game is played. Suffice to say, it's a pretty heavy game. But let me give a big old positive right now. Uh, bonfire was way easier to learn from the rulebook than Aquasphere, and it's definitely a slightly heavier game. Um, I would say it's not much heavier, but it's a little heavier, but it was much easier to learn from the rulebook. So kudos, in my opinion, kudos to whoever wrote the rulebook. Um, really good job. Um, I mean, it still took me, you know, really studying it, but it it made sense. And I just knew from reading the rule book that it was not going to be the struggle on the same level as Aquasphere. <sighs> okay, but uh, upon actually trying to play the game solo, and again, I've only played it solo. I've played it four times now. Um, 
And I will say that I've experienced from a gameplay perspective by only playing a solo, I've experienced everything that the multiplayer game has to offer with the exception of instead of a real person taking the things away from me that I want, it's the AI randomly taking things away. But as far as actual mechanics, I've done everything you do in a multiplayer game. There's nothing missing. Um, in fact, there's something added. It's a little eight deck of cards that basically dictates what the AI, AI does. And you run through it four times, unless the game ends before then. Um, there's another regular game in condition. But if you run through the deck four times, it also ends immediately. Um, but otherwise, it plays just like the multiplayer game. So the first time I played it, I'll just tell you, I was like, oh my gosh, it felt a lot like work. It's not the heaviest game I've ever played. It's heavy, but it's not the heaviest game I've ever played. But man, there's just so many pieces and so many things. I played it a second time the very next night. It definitely went smoother, but it was still like, whew, man. The third time I played it, I felt like things were clicking more. Um... I finally won. I beat the AI on my third try. There's ways to make it harder, but on the standard mode, I beat it. Um, I was feeling better about it, but at the same time, it was still a lot of upkeep, still a lot of just spinning gears and just like, okay, I think I like the game, but I'm going to play it a fourth time because I'm still not sure. And then the fourth time I played it, and I did terribly. Um, I just ran out of time. But the reason I did so terribly is because I didn't catch that the game was ending. Basically put out so many of the the, the gnomes into the center, center area. I don't even remember what it's called. I think it's called the High Council. You put so many of the gnomes out into the High Council. There's so many ridiculous turns in this game that mean nothing because it's so abstract. <laughs> but you put the gnomes out in the High Council, and in a single or a two-player game, once there's seven out there, that signals the end of the game. But you still have five more rounds which honestly is not as much as it sounds like. Um, it's an odd way to do it, but I, I don't hate that. I think that kind of works. Um, it gives you time. But in the solo game, I've done this twice now where I had seven or even eight novices out in the, uh, the high council area and didn't catch it. And so I'm just playing the game. I'm just moving on. And honestly, I think that's why I did so badly because I was giving the AI time to just make more and more points and then once I realized it, I tried to correct my mistake, and so I ran out of time. Anyways, that was a frustrating fourth game for that reason because I just didn't accomplish what I wanted to because I didn't realize the game was over and I didn't didn't catch it. But that's kind of that's kind of why I'm conflicted about it because on one hand I was so into the game that I didn't even catch that it had technically ended. On the other hand, a lot of that mental investment I have and the reason I missed such a big fact and I've done it twice now, it's because there's just so much to keep up with. But it's, I'm afraid that some of the stuff you have to keep up with and the mental exercise you're going through, I'm afraid that some of it is just busy work. And that's kind of the point of this episode, besides to talk about Bonfire a little bit, since it's the most recent game I've played, um, the most recent solo game I've tried. You know, I went through the effort of learning it which wasn't the easiest thing in the world and played four times, wanted to talk about it. But that's what I'm realizing. Is this just Stefan Feld now? I mean, in the years that I've not played any Stefan Feld games, is this just what he does now? Um, does he just make 
basically like circles for you for you to run in in order to accomplish one thing. And I don't mean it to sound too harsh, because again, I played it four times, and it's honestly because every time I'm like, you know what, I think I like this game, but I don't know, like it's still not completely clicking with me. I think I'm gonna have to play it again. So clearly, I don't hate it. Let's just make that clear. Clearly, I don't. But I wanted to love it, and after four plays, I still don't. All right, after four plays, I don't love it. But what's what's hard is after four plays, I'm still conflicted. I'm not like, oh, I'm going to sell this game. It's not like Aquasphere. After two plays, I was ready to dump it in the garbage. I just really did not like that game. And it, it still breaks my heart because I still love, I know it's goofy, but I still love the theme of that game. I still love the look of that game. Um, I love that it's such a serious Euro game with that theme. Anyways, but Bonfire, I never hated it. At no point did I hate it. But it's always like, you know what? I think I'm going to have to leave it set up and I'm going to play again. And really, I couldn't have had any more ideal circumstances to test this game out because I played it four times within the span of about a week. You know, about every other day I was playing a new round of it. And I'll say the solo game took, I mean, I think the first one took over an hour, but I think you could probably do a solo game in about, I don't know, 45 or 50 minutes. Uh, I honestly didn't time it, but it, it actually ended before I wanted it to this last time. I know that much. Um, but the thing is, after four games, you know, I'm not a dummy. I mean, I've learned and love Agricola and La Havre and Fields of Arl, which are all Uwe Rosenberg games. But those are probably some of the heavier games. Uh, you know, Grand Austria Hotel. That's kind of my sweet spot. You know, maybe not the heaviest of games, but right there in that kind of crunchy area. Um, I've learned and played Food Chain Magnate only one time. But uh, it made sense. It worked. We did terribly. Me and Johnny, my friend, we both did terrible. Uh, But I was able to play the game and teach it. And that's considered a much heavier game than Bonfire even. So it's not, I'm just saying, it's not the amount of rules in this. I just come to this realization that I think what Stefan Feld does is he lets you accomplish basically the same things you would in, say, an Uwe Rosenberg game or any other medium to medium heavy Euro game, but you've got to do twice as much to get there. And I'm just, the best way I can explain this, this bloat is what I'm calling it. Uh, And that is a harsh word because I don't, I don't think bloat is ever a good thing in gaming. Very rarely. Anyways, the only time bloat is a good thing is if it adds so much to the thing, like just really sells the thing, then maybe some bloat is okay. But this game does not sell the thing. The bloat is pure mechanisms. To give you an example, one of the things you do in this game is click the collect these task tiles. In fact, finishing these task tiles, I would say, is the primary thing you want to do in the game because they flip over and become bonfires. And that everything, moving the guardians, the portals, the gates, these are all terms in the game. They all come down to having bonfires. They're all pointless if you don't have the bonfires. The only way to get bonfires is to complete tasks. But to complete a task, you have to have basically in your area have done certain things. For example, maybe you have three uh, guardians. Maybe you have two of the gate tiles that each have this symbol on it. Maybe you have 
uh, five resources that are all this kind. There's three different difficulty levels, uh, blue being the easiest, then red, then yellow. I'll be honest with you, the yellow ones, to me, they're so hard to finish. Like, oh my gosh, it's just overwhelming. Um, but I, I finished blue and red ones and like one or two yellow ones over the four games I've played. I'm not good at it. I'm not saying I am. But the point is, to complete the task tiles, you have to have done whatever. But just to get a task tile and put it in your area, and it's pointless, it's worthless until you've done the task itself. But just to get this task tile into your area, here's what you have to do. You have a sailboat on the board. Just basically is a place to hold the task tiles and uh, the high council, which <laughs> there's a lot going on on the board. Um, and by the way, again, I love the way the board looks. It might be too busy to some people, but I don't even mind that. I just love the way it looks. But anyways, to just get one task tile into your area, which is worth zero points until you actually finish it, you have to spend action tokens are the name of this game. It's, it's, it's how you do everything. There's these little chits that I mentioned earlier. It's actually the one component I don't care for. These little cardboard chits of several different colors and symbols. One lets you sell boats. One lets you collect cards. One lets you move the guardians. One lets you um, uh, pick up action tiles. One lets just different things. Uh, move the bonfire in the center of the board to not be confused with the bonfires that go on your personal board so you can collect the portals. Anyways, lots of different action tiles. But to just collect one task token, you have to play these sailboat action tiles to move your sailboat to an island that has a task tile you want. And you might have to spend several of these sailboat tokens to get far enough. Just one of them may not cut it. And then once you're there, you have to spend a red action tile that lets you pick up the task tile. Then you have to look at the symbol, the resource symbol on the island you landed on, plus one of the two resource symbols that are face up on your own little personal action board, we'll call it. And you have to pay those two resources. So it might be a shell and a weed or whatever. Or you can always use gold as a wild resource. So you had to do all that. The shipping tile, the action tile, the two resources, just to collect one task tile. Something that honestly, in an Uwe Rosenberg game, would literally be place your worker here and collect it. <laughs> That's what it would be in Uwe Rosenberg game. In a Stefan Feld game, apparently, what I'm realizing, it's all those steps I just mentioned. And yes, it does add more choice because you have to choose, am I really going to use these action tiles for this? You know, am I going to put, put all these resources into this or am I going to do something else with it? But it's honestly a lot of work and a lot of time spent building up these things to just get one thing. And it doesn't mean it's bad. It doesn't make him a bad designer. But I'm just realizing, I really don't think I like that too much. <laughs> that is a lot of running in circles to accomplish one thing. And I'm not saying it's pointless because, again, there are added decisions in there because you're having to do so much to get this one thing. But I don't know if it's worth it. Like, I think there's enough going on in this game that I feel like it would have been okay if you just went in your boat like, make you spend the sailboat tiles, okay? But then that's it. You land on the island, you pick up the one you want. 
because then you still have to accomplish the task. It's not like it's just free points. I feel like for everything you do in this game, there's too many steps. Um, to get the little portals. <laughs> so you have these wooden meeple guardians that move around. And once you completed a bonfire, if you move a guardian onto the bonfire, it's more points. The guardian itself will score in addition to the bonfire score. But to do that, you have to have gates leading up to the bonfire. You have to have your bonfire flipped over, of course. And you also have to have a portal, which is another little chit, another little, these little fiddly pieces, another chit to go in between the gate and the bonfire. And the thing is these chits have specific shapes and, and symbols on them. So to just get this portal so you can move your guardian onto the bonfire, you've got to move the bonfire into the center of the board. The way you do that is by playing the purple tiles, the little purple action tiles. And again, if you don't have enough of them, you may not be able to move it far enough because you've got to collect the one you want by moving the bonfire to the one you want. And you have to collect them in a certain order. you got to go from right to left, the portal tiles. All these restrictions, all these run-in circles to collect one little tile. Ah, it's just a lot. Again, I'm not saying that doesn't add decision. I'm not saying that doesn't add some depth. But I feel like it's a lot of busy work and a lot of running in circles for just a little added depth. I, and I want to give credit to Chris and Wendy Yee uh, from the Dice Tower because I saw, I was just really conflicted about my thoughts on the game. So I started looking up reviews and I know they did a review and, and it's basically what they said is it feels like this could have been two or maybe even three pretty good games. Not even light games, but pretty good medium weight Euro games. But instead, he put it all into one game. And that's exactly how I felt about Aquasphere. The difference is, I do think this works for me. The problem is, I feel like I would like it more if it was just maybe two of these mechanisms. Just a little ship part where you move around to collect the task tiles. I mean, I like the board a lot, but I almost feel like that should have been cut out. Or, or maybe where you have to spend the bonfire to collect it. Maybe it should have just been a a more simple way to collect these portals. Maybe there should have only been one type of portal instead of having to collect the specific ones. Because honestly, there's a pretty big, for how heavy the game is, there's a pretty big luck factor. I mean, you might just get hosed by the order your little portal tiles come out in. And you have to spin this bonfire around so much just to collect one. Where somebody else might be like, oh, that's the one I need. Just got to move the bonfire one time and I got it. And yeah, there's a timing element. You wait till the timing is right. But sometimes you're just going to be wasting stuff. But it works. It does work. The fact that you can always spend two action tiles for one of any or two resources for one of any or a gold resource or that there's a little question mark action tile can be anything. Those things help a lot. And it works. And I feel like I've been complaining the whole time, but here's what I'm saying. Is what I realized about Bonfire and what I'm wondering is if maybe I need to uh, be really careful before I buy any more Stefan Feld games, like really careful. Because what I'm realizing is I think maybe this is how he does his like medium heavy games now. Like there's a lot of stuff you have to do to accomplish one thing. I mean, like I don't feel like Bonfire is a heavier game than Lahav, for example. I feel like Lahav actually probably has less luck in it and just as much strategy. But I appreciate that in Lahav, it seems like you kind of go to a place and you get the stuff, and that's that. 
that's all there is to it. In a bonfire, you got to do these four things first. I, I don't know. I just think maybe that's not for me. Um, I actually like complexity in a game. Like it, that, that I even love learning games. I'm one of the weirdos that likes reading rule books as long as it's well done, like the bonfire one was. But once I'm playing it, if it's just like, it feels like bookkeeping and I start missing stuff, I don't know, is the payoff worth it? And so that's what I'm warning about with Stefan Feld. I mean, and if you have an opinion on this, if you think, hey, yeah, you need to check out some of his other games. They're not all that way. Um, you can check out Cardboard Cave on Facebook. Uh, you can message me on there. You can comment on any of the posts. I will see it. Even if it's a year old, if you comment on a post, I will see it. And I've posted about Bonfire, so comment on that post. Same thing with Instagram. I've, I've If you know, search for Cardboard Cave on there, I've posted about Bonfire. Just go in there and comment. I'll see it or message me, you know. Uh, those are really the two ways, Facebook and Instagram. Those are really the two ways right now to interact with the show. Uh, I would really like to know what you think about this. Is Are Aquasphere and Bonfire sort of two sides of the same coin, but they're not like most of his games? Or is this kind of how he designs games now, where the point salad thing I don't so much mind. What I'm talking about is the running in circles to accomplish just one thing jumping through hoops just to accomplish one little task <laughs> that I'm not sure I like. And that's what I'm struggling with. That being said, um, I enjoyed a lot of bonfire. I think the question is, okay, if bonfire were a game that was, if I didn't play it for six months, I could come back and learn it again in five minutes and set it up in five minutes. I think it would be totally a keeper. The problem is because the theme doesn't help at all for learning it. None of the mechanics like are just intuitive. I don't, I think it's just, it's pure mechanisms. You have to learn. None of them are intuitive. And because of that, I don't think it'll be an easy game to come back to. If I wait six months to play it again, as I tend to do with games. Now, granted, a lot of games are like that. Fields of all was a great game and I played it twice solo and it's been six months now since I played it. I'm going to learn that again from scratch, which stinks. But the thing is, is what bon, is Bonfire fun enough to warrant setting up and relearning it again if I don't play it regularly? Or after four plays, have I kind of got out of what I need to? And that's what I'm not sure about. Like right now, on a pure fun factor enjoyment, I think I would rate Bonfire a seven, which might surprise you because a seven to me represents a good game. A seven rep represents a good game. I'd usually be willing to play it. I'll probably even suggest it sometimes. Um, uh, it's not a perfect game, not one of my top 10 by any means, but a seven represents a good game. The problem is the complexity, the setup, the relearning of the rules is a lot for a game that I rated seven. <laughs> like, you know, I don't mind doing all that for a game that I think is like a like Underwater Cities, which by the way, I think Underwater Cities is very, as much as people love it, I almost think it's underrated for how thematic it is. I've relearned that game. It had been, it had been a good six months since we played it. I learned it again so we could play it, which we still haven't yet, by the way. But I breezed through that rule book. I'm like, you know what? I remember this game. Honestly, I don't really need to read this rule book again. Um, and I think that's just wonderful. But Bonfire is not going to be that way. It's gonna, I'm gonna have to learn it again from scratch if I wait six months to play it. I just know it. 
um, because nothing is integrated or connected. It's just a bunch of mechanisms that are all really well made. And most of them I really enjoy, but I do think he could have made two games out of this box and maybe went into more detail on some of the things, but just had half the number of mechanisms. I think it would have been a better game, but I'm no game designer. And Stefan Feld is one of the most respected game designers in the world. So what do I know? That's just kind of the feeling I had. That said, I'm still going to rate it a 7 out of 10. I still think it's a good game. And I see why some people love it. It's rated a 7.8 on Board Game Geek, um, which is higher than Luna, which I really love Luna. Uh, but it's definitely higher than Luna. It's higher than Aquasphere, which I hated. Um, I mean, 7.8 is up there in his top several games, honestly. Um, and I see why. It is well made. And I still think it's beautiful. And I still think I'm going to keep it. You know, here I am as I'm talking about it. I still think I'm going to keep it. But I hate that after four games, I can't just be like, yeah, I love this game. Instead, I'm like, gosh, I don't know. I feel like I've done a lot of spinning in circles to finish a game. But that is what it is. Um, I'm still willing to check out Stefan Feld games. But after between this and Aquasphere, although I do like Bonfire, but between those two, I'm starting to think, Maybe the way he designs games is kind of the opposite of the way that I think. Because what I think, Concordia, is probably literally the best example I can think of. Um, of a game that pulls so much depth out of so little. To me, Bonfire and Aquasphere are the opposite. They pull a little out of a lot. <laughs> they give you a lot of things to, to pull one thing out. Whereas like Concordia has a whopping four pages of rules, including the setup, and they're not even massive pages. And yet it's honestly every bit as deep as Bonfire to me. Um, now Concordia is a masterpiece. You know, it's not completely fair, but. And Concordia is on the extreme end. Like I, I still just, I can't believe sometimes when I think about how few rules that game has, that game has and what it gets out of it. But to me, this is the opposite. It's got mechanism after mechanism after mechanism, and I'm just repeating myself. So that is what it is. I'm giving Bonfire a seven. So I still recommend it if you're into Stefan Feld games. Um, if you like Aquasphere, then Bonfire is going to blow you away because I think it, it's not that they're that similar, but some of the things I did not like on Aquasphere, I feel like are done better in Bonfire. And as a whole, I just think it works better. But it still has some of that same DNA that bugged me about Aquasphere. But if you like Aquasphere, I don't see how you wouldn't just think this is a masterpiece. Um, but weirdly enough, I can't say if you liked some of his other games, you would like it. Because again, for whatever reason, I love Luna. And this game is actually quite a bit higher rated than Luna by the average user on Board Game Geek. But uh, I definitely like Luna more. I'll just leave it at that. <sighs> okay. Hey, yeah. That's Bonfire. That's sort of my realization on failed and wondering if maybe if maybe his games are too much work for what I get out of them. His his more modern games. Because I didn't again, I didn't feel that way about the first couple of games of his I played. Certainly not. Castles of Burgundy is almost a good example of like Concordia. I think Castles of Burgundy pulls so much out of so little. It's almost like he does, he adopted a completely different philosophy after a certain point. But anyways, um, that's a kind of, you know, a, a positive review for Bonfire, but a cautionary review. Um, it's kind of like uh, 
eating a decent meal, but not a great meal, but having to pay a lot for it or wait in line for two hours. It's like it was a decent meal, but it's a lot leading up to it. You know, I prefer to have a decent meal with much less effort or a great meal with great effort. And for me, bonfire is just a decent meal, but with a lot of effort. So I don't know. Blah, blah, blah. What do I know? Um, I do think I'm going to keep it. I played it four times. I don't regret getting it. I'll probably play it again. Um, at the very least, um, it was, it's been a fun mental exercise, you know, playing it and thinking about it. So, Hey, thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. I'm going to cut it off there for now and, uh, let yourself out of the cave. Um, bye-bye.